Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. Now, last week we started a series for Advent where we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and particularly we're looking at different things, different fulfillments that we find in Matthew um, that are there from the Old Testament, that are pointing to Jesus and telling us about who he is. The theme we're taking right from the song that we just sang is take me to the king. Take me to the king. And we're going to see a little bit more about the kind of king that he is that uh, we look at in this passage. Once again, the text is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the reading of God's word. You can go ahead and put that up. Thank you. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And this is a quote from Micah chapter 5. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, or by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is God's word. Let's go to God together in prayer. Father, we thank you again for your presence with us already. Thank you for for the parts of your word we've already heard. We thank you for the privilege of getting to hear it now and getting to proclaim it. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this place and all the places we're gathered to watch online. We pray that you would continue to move among us. We're not breaking from the worship service. We're continuing to worship as we come before your word now. And we pray that you'd not only help us understand these words, these glorious words about this king, but you would fill us with your power, fill us with yourself, so that we would be able to live in light of all that we learn about him today. So all this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I don't know how many of you have had a chance to get to the movies yet and seen the, the Black Panther movie. You can put up that first picture. Have you seen that? Some of y'all seen it multiple times already. All right, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts for that one because I'm, I'm going to use the illustration from the last one. But in the, fir- in the previous 
Black Panther movie, one of the things we saw, and this ties into what we're talking about today, is we saw different kinds of kings. There are actually three different ones, if you think about it. If you go to that first picture, there was, um, I, I can't remember, what, what's his name? T'Chaka? That's T'Chaka, right? And one of the things, that, thank you, that's one of the things about him is that he had this great power and he realized his people had great power, but what he wanted to do was keep it to themselves. And they tried to keep away from everybody else. And what ended up happening, other people got hurt because of that, but they wanted to keep, he wanted to keep the power to himself. But then there was another king that came after, and actually he was hurt by the ways of the former king. And so he decided that he wanted to do something different with the great power that he'd been given. He wanted to use it and impose it upon everybody else. He wanted to use his power to conquer and rule by force. But then finally there's a third king who we find out is ultimately the rightful king. And what he wants to do with his power, he saw the mistaken ways of the other two. And what he wanted to do with his power is take that great power and use it to be a blessing, not just to his own people, but even to be a blessing to the world. So go see the movie and then go see the first one again and you'll get to see all those things that happen. But that third type of king, the one that takes his power and uses it to be a blessing, not just to himself, not just to his own people, but also to the world, that's the kind of king that they're waiting for in the Gospel of Matthew. In the air, they're looking, they're expecting this great king who's going to come. They want a king who's going to come and use his great power to be able to set things right. And don't we also long for a king like that? who's going to come in our time and set things right in our own world to bring peace and justice and love and all the things that we sung about and we celebrated earlier. We want a king who's going to come and bring that. We think about that in our world. We think about that in our own community. Don't we long for a king who will come and set things right on the streets of our own neighborhood? Don't we long for a king who will come and set things right in the church and between the churches. Don't we long for a king who's going to come and set things right in our own hearts, in our own lives, who's going to heal the brokenness that we have, who's going to heal all those wounded places that, that, that we just sung about. Our hearts are broken in pieces, and now we bring them, we take them to the king. We long to be able to take them to a king like that. So what does this passage tell us about that? We're going to look at three parts of this. Really, there's a comparison of kings, just like with Black Panther. We see the same thing here in this passage. And the first thing that we're going to look at, you can put up that first slide, that next slide rather, is there are two very different kinds of kings. And as we're reading, you could kind of hear that. There's two kings that are talked about in this passage, and they're very different from one another. And so what we're going to do is try and figure out which one is the true king. All right, so let's look. It says there, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and now he's about two years old when this is writing. And it says, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born the king of the Jews? They're looking for baby Jesus. And we saw his, for we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. So there's two kings laid out, King Herod and King Jesus. Look at the next slide, verse 3. 
Let's look at King Herod first and see what kind of king he is. It says when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, why do you think that was? Because in, in their time, Herod is actually set up as the king over the people. They, they considered him the quote-unquote king of the Jews. And Herod was known for a couple things. One is his great building plans, right? He's a great architect and builder of all these different things. But what he's known for most was his cruelty. He was a terror. Think of the worst that you can imagine. Mob, boss, gang leader, whatever it is, dictator, whatever it is, he's worse. When I was looking at some of the things he did, they talk about him to executing a couple of his brothers-in-law, a couple of his sons-in-law, some of his wives, some of his own sons. And then look at his cruelty. Here's what he did. When he was about to die, he realized he was near death, he was sick. Here's what he did. He said, you know what? I want you to take some people that everybody loves and arrest them and put them in jail. And I'm sentencing them to death. And I want you to take their lives on the day that I die. Now, why do you think he would do that? Because he wanted there to be mourning on the day of his death. Because he knew the people would otherwise be rejoicing when he was gone. That, y'all, that's the kind of king that this guy was. And so you can imagine why he's troubled. He's like, hold up, there's somebody else that they say is the king? No. And the people are like, Lord, have mercy. This guy is crazy enough. He's going to get set off. So all of them are troubled. So that's the one king. Now let's look at the other king who's going to come, King Jesus, and see if he's the rightful king. There in verse 5, and here's the prophecy that it says is fulfilled in Jesus. It's from Matthew 5, I mean Micah chapter 5. What do we learn about Jesus in those verses? It says, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, and there's a quote, and you, Beth, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So what does all of that tell us about the kind of king that Jesus is? One, how does it describe him? As a what? He's going to be a, a shepherd. And Pastor Ant talked about that a couple of weeks ago in his message. In the type of leader that a shepherd is. Think of what a shepherd does with his sheep, right? He knows the sheep. He feeds the sheep. He protects the sheep. He provides for the sheep. That's telling us about the kind of ruler that he's going to be. But there's also some things that tell us about him. It says there, where is he born? In Bethlehem. And then what does it say about him? It says, in the land of Judah, you're by no means the what? The least. Why do you think it says that? Because everybody considered them to be the least. And they were the smallest tribe. Now, on one hand, this is also where David is born, in Bethlehem. And so now here's a king who's going to come from the same place as this great king that we love. But also, he's coming from the least place, from the smallest tribe. Is anybody from a place like that? Where everybody looks at you and say, oh, you from there? Can anything good come from there? Maybe people look at our own neighborhood that way and say, can anything good come from there? That's the kind of place that he is, and he chooses to be born in that place. Now, again, we also learn about him. Think about who it is that he's appearing to. You can put up that. Um, I think I have that next verse. Never mind. Go on back. 
I forgot to put that. You can go back. Never mind. Remember the, um, the, the wise men from the east, right? Otherwise, other name for them is Magi that are coming to find Jesus. Now, what do we know about them? If you go back up for a second to um, verse 2, go back up um, two slides, one more slide. Now, it says these wise men from the east came saying, where is the he who's been born king of the Jews? For what it says that we saw his what? His star when it rose and we've come to worship him. So these guys see a star and they're following it. In other words, they are astrologers, right? They believe in the horoscope and all of that stuff. In other words, what is it telling us about him? Them. These guys are Gentiles. They are from Persia. They are racial and religious outsiders. And these are the people that Jesus chooses to be revealed to. What is that saying? He chooses to be born in a place that's considered the least. He chooses to be born in front of people who are considered the least, who are considered outsiders. What is that telling you about who he is? That's exactly who he came for. Maybe there's somebody in this room that knows what it's like, knows what it feels like to be looked down upon, to be looked like, oh, there's nothing that we can expect that's good from you. There's nothing that you have to offer. You're exactly the kind of person that Jesus says, I want them all in my plan. Because that's what he does with these people. And then the last thing, what else do we see about the kind of king that he is? Not just where he goes and, and he's going to be a shepherd, but think about how he chose to come. As a what? As a baby, right? Like DJ, right there. And then now he's a little bit older. He chooses to be born that way. Put yourself in, in God's shoes for a second. Like we never do that, right? <laughs> think about that. If you were God, and you were going to choose to reveal yourself to the world, how would you do it? Right? Would you sky right in the sky? Would you come as a great and mighty warrior? What would you do? How would you reveal it? And I told y'all how I would do it, right? And this is terrible. I'm a basketball fan. So you know what I would do? I would, get, I would be playing basketball, and I'd get the ball, get a rebound, and just turn and jump from one end of the court and fly all the way across to the other end of the court. Boom! And dunk it. And everybody would go, oh my God! And I'd say, that's right. Here I am. That's how I would do it. But I'm not humble like he is. He humbles himself and chooses to be born as a baby. And not just a baby, but a baby in a poor family in a place that is despised and looked down upon. He chooses to come that way. And so we have these two different kings. Let me ask you, which one is the true king? Is it King Herod? <laughs> or is it King Jesus? Amen. You got that right. So how do we respond to him then if he's the true king? Well, that's the second point. Let's go on. We see two different responses to the true king. If you go to that next slide. Now, there's two responses. The first response that we see to the king, it's actually rejection. And we see rejection in, in two different ways. The first one is from Herod. Now, there in the verse, it says, Herod summoned the wise men secretly. That's verse 7. 
and it says he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And eight, it says he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now wait, you're reading that, you're like, oh my goodness, he's had a transformation. This is amazing. He want, he's saying, take me to the king. Now, but what you find out, why does he want to go see the king? You can put up that next verse, verse 13. And Pastor Steve's going to preach on this next week. So to find out what happened, you got to come back next week. But I'm going to preview it a little bit. It says, when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, Jesus' father, in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you why. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So that's why he's saying, take me to the king. So he is rejecting the king through attack. He wants to get rid of the king, get rid of King Jesus. That's one form of rejection we see. But there's actually another more subtle one. If you put up that next verse, let me ask you, how is it that Herod knew where Jesus was? How did he find out? What's it say there? Assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And we heard in 5 and 6, right? They told him where he was to be born. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. How did they know that? How'd they know? It was in the Bible. It was in Micah. They learned it from the Bible. And they said, that's where the king is going to be born. The chief priests and the scribes, they told him exactly where the child was going to be born. Now, what's wrong with this picture? What did the, the, the chief priests and the scribes do? Nothing. They know where he's going to be born, but they didn't go. They didn't go. They said, y'all go get him. They knew where he was. They knew what God's word said. But they didn't know him. They knew about Jesus. But they didn't know Jesus. They didn't go. And so here, at least here, they're not attacking. That comes later. Here, their form of rejection is apathy. They're like, oh, we know. That's great, great. But they don't go. And so they're rejecting him too. Now, what's, that's one response is rejection. What's the other response? Reverence and praise, and worship. And we see that in the, the outsiders, in the Magi, the wise men from the east. Go to that next slide. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. These are the wise men. And behold, it says, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So they're following the star, and then it stops. And that's how they find out where Jesus is. This is a work of God. This is a miracle of God. And then it says, when they saw the star, they, re they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then look at the next verse, verse 11. What did they do when they found him? Verse 11. Next slide. What did they do when they found him? It says, going into the house, they saw the child would marry his mother. And what did they do? They fell down and they worshiped him. What did I say these guys were before? They were astrologers, which means they followed and they worship stars. But now what are they doing? 
They're going from worshiping the stars to worshiping the one who made the stars. They are praising Jesus now. Do you see that? They are worshiping him. They've gone from worshiping the things that he's made to worshiping the one who's made them. They teach us. This is the, these are the responses, right? There's rejection and there's reverence. There's praise. Now, what do we learn from that? What's, what's our response? Right? You know I was going to ask that. How are we going to respond? Right? Maybe you say, well, I don't respond with, with attack. That's not me. Right? I, I'm not that. And, and probably not. You probably didn't come here today. You're probably not watching online because you're like, I just hate Jesus. I just, I, I, I just want to find something wrong with what you're saying. Probably not. But what can you take away if that, even if that's not you? Well, what did Jesus say to his followers is that this is a normal thing for people that follow him. You're going to have just the same way that I had people, Jesus says, attack me. So people are going to attack you because you follow me. A servant's not greater than his master. And so that's telling us we shouldn't be surprised when the attacks come against us. And some of y'all know what that's like already, being ridiculed for following Jesus. You already know what that feels like. So don't be surprised by that. So you say, well, obviously we don't reject him, at least maybe not in that way. But what about in the apathetic way? Can we be guilty of rejecting him that way? Of just being content with knowing about Jesus and not knowing Jesus? about knowing what's in the word, but not knowing him. Maybe sometimes we are. And so what I say, one of the great applications is thinking about that those last verses of Psalm 139. I love those as a prayer. But saying, search me, O God. God, search us and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in us. See if there's any apathetic way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Maybe some of us come here today and you're like those wise men. Maybe some of us are watching online and you're like the wise men. I love those guys. You know why? Because they're seeking. They're trying to find out about Jesus. And praise be to God if you're here or you're watching online and that's where you are. You see them? They're they're trying to find who he is. And so what do they do? They go and they seek. They they try and learn as much as they can. They go and they ask questions. They're like, hey, can you tell us a little bit more about this? What's going on? Where is he? They teach us. If you're seeking today, keep on seeking. Because you know what that means? It means God is already seeking after you. God is already doing something on your heart to bring you to himself. Isn't it amazing? Look at God. I forgot who said this. If it was Pastor Ant or whether it was Sam that said God is a master evangelist. Who said that? Well, I'll give both of y'all credit. They're both brilliant young men, right? One of those guys, I can't remember which one said it. God is the master evangelist. Look at God. God is using a star because these guys are astrologers to lead them to his son. If you keep on reading the gospel, you see God, he'll use water, he'll use bread, he'll use anything to get people to Jesus. 
Some of y'all have a testimony where you can look back and God worked in some crazy way to bring you to himself. God is the master evangelist. And so I say this to you to encourage you today that if you're here and you're checking God out, continue to seek after him because you will find him. Or, or better yet, I should say, you will be found by him if you keep on seeking him. Now, what else do we learn? Last thing before we go on from these brothers. They show us how we should respond to God. I forgot to put the verse up there, but when you get to verse 12, later on, it says that they went back a different way. Oh, thank you. You can put that up. It's in the third point, but we, we can look at it now. That's all right. One more verse. It says they, they offered him gifts, right? They worshiped him. They offer him gifts. But then look at verse 12. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country by another way. Do you see what they're doing? The first king, the evil king, told them to do one thing, but they said, we're not going to listen to him anymore. We're instead listening to the true king, the rightful king, Jesus, and they go a different way. So you can go back to the other slides. So they show us that, but they also show us worship. They show us praise and reverence for the king. That is what he's do. he is due. Now listen, y'all, we even have more reason to praise Jesus than they did because they don't know all the things that we know, right? They don't know that this two-year-old boy was going to grow up. What do we say? He lived and he loved me. He died and he saved me. He buried and he carried my sins far away, but he didn't stop there. Rising, he justified me and he freed me forever. I wish I knew how to play piano myself. <laughs> I'm a little bit early. Rising, he justified me. And one day, is there anybody that knows one day? I said one day. Look at your neighbor and tell him one day. One day he's coming back. And what a glorious day that's going to be. Give him praise today. Give him praise for the God that he is. Now, that's not the end, though. <laughs> See, you got to mix it up sometimes. You know, sometimes God is so good. Sometimes you got to celebrate him in the second point. right? It's, but we, we're going to go to the last thing. But it, it's not that long, though. We see two different responses. Go to the last slide, the next slide, rather. We see two different results of the king's reigns, right? This gives us even more reason to praise him. What do we see? First, look at Herod. How does his reign end up? Verse 19, but when Herod died, and Pastor Ant's going to preach about this, so you got to come back in two weeks to hear Pastor talk about that. But it says, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so what was he doing? He spent his life trying to find and kill Jesus, and he failed. Thanks be to God. But there's also a tragedy, and Pastor will talk about that next week in the lives that he took trying to find Jesus. But that's how Herod spends his life. He's a guilty one, an unrighteous, evil one, takes the lives of the innocent. But he failed, didn't he? 
But what about the other king? What about his reign? How did he end up, King Jesus? Well, you get some sense as you go to that next verse, as you look at the gifts that they gave him. Now, I know all the figurine things they say there's three wise men. The reason they think there's three is because there's three gifts that are here. I don't know if there's three or not or there are more, whatever. But it says, in opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. And what were those three gifts? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, what was gold like in their culture? Same thing it is in our culture. <laughs> a precious metal that you want, right? An incredibly precious metal that's fit for a king. How about the frankincense? What was that? That was actually something that the priests would use as they were doing their offerings in the temple. And, and what about the myrrh? What is that? Do you know what that was used for? Yeah, it was used for embalming dead bodies. And so what does all of that tell us about King Jesus? The gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. The gold tells us that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The frankincense tells us that he is our great high priest who has made a sacrifice, who is the sacrifice for us in order to bring us to God. And the myrrh, it tells us how he's done it, doesn't it? Because it tells us that he would be bruised for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brings us peace, right? We're celebrating that today. The punishment that brings us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And so how does the first king end up? The guilty king tries to take innocent lives to save his own. And he ends up failing. Oh, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for the righteous king. Thanks be to God for the true king, Jesus Christ, who takes his own innocent life and lays it down for the guilty so that they can be saved. And thanks be to God, he succeeded. And we can praise again today, even though we can have another celebration. You know why? Because when we look at him now, his reign didn't end. He's still reigning. He's still on the throne. And you know what they say about him now? They say that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. He's a doctor in a sick room and a lawyer in a courtroom. He's adoption for the orphan. He's healing for the broken. He's light for those walking in darkness. He's life for those that are dead today. Do you know the true king? Take, king, take us. Take us to the king. Take us to the king today so that we can praise the king. We can submit to the king and we can share the king with the world around us. Let's pray. Thanks for listening and God bless.